0: on this morning. Once again, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1 through verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 through verse 4. I'll be reading this morning from the New King James Version. Paul writes to the church at Corinth and reads and writes, "'Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you have received and in which you stand.'" but which also you are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preach to you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which also I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and he rose again on the third day, According to Scripture, I want to talk this morning about the gospel. Simply, the gospel. In fact, I got a little title that might work for the next few moments: uh, "Bad News, Fake News, and the Gospel of Good News." Uh, you, you can, you can go ahead and close your Bible just for a moment. Come on, find somebody and shake their right hand and say, "Neighbor, uh, there's bad news. There's fake news." <laughs> And then there's the gospel of good news. Now, listen, if they already act like they ain't going to want to have church with you, go ahead and find somebody else and tell that neighbor, neighbor, there's bad news. There's uh, fake news. Uh huh. And then there's the gospel of good news. Come on, take your seats in the presence of the Lord. Give me a minute to work this mic. I need to fix my mic. One second. All right, there's bad news, Uh, I don't know what media outlet you're looking at, but there is some fake news. But thanks be unto God, there is good news left in the land. Thank you, Mr. Sound Man. God bless the sound team on today. Uh, I, I won't be long today. We're, 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 we are working on perfecting the grace of God's the grace of God on these worship services. Really, 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 really exciting things ahead. In the month of March, as you can tell already, the month of April, the Lord Delay is coming. Better days. I'm excited about all of the developments and things that are happening. I I, I wanted to pause for for a few moments today and and just be the herald. I want to be the the mailman, if you would, and just kind of just comprehensively gather around and remind you that we live in very, very interesting times, right, and there's a lot of emphasis on the media, a lot of emphasis on information dissemination and all that good stuff. And, and, and I, I don't know, I don't know. I, I, I'm thinking about just the sheer power of the gospel itself. And I just believe that the gospel really doesn't need a lot of additives, doesn't need a lot of incentives, doesn't need a lot of extras, for by itself, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of his kingdom is good news. I'm gonna talk to you about it. Bad news, fake news, and the gospel of good news. And, and I, I, you know, when I think about good news, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna start with the good news, but then I'm gonna back up and kind of bring it back to the good news again. When I hear about the outreach on yesterday, 19 souls were birthed in God's kingdom through God's outreach, Pastor John Dorsey, Carmen Dorsey, and all of the great volunteers. I want to applaud every one of you all. It was another tremendous operation for the homeless outreach, Uptown Charlotte. And we thank God for all of those who served and volunteered on yesterday. It was such a success the month prior, they did it again. And I want you to give yourselves a round of applause. Come on, let's thank God for all of the volunteers, all of the great things that happened on yesterday. And thank God for the good news of the gospel being preached. Uh, let's start just for a few moments, all right? And, and, and they will show these pictures throughout the service and towards the end uh, of the service today. But, you know... L- listen, you'd have to be under a rock somewhere tonight to realize that there's this bad news. My wife and I, we watched the news the other night, and what did you say to me? It's, it's just so much negative, so much bad news, and, and it's almost depressing to watch the 11 o'clock news right before you go to bed at night, but, you know, uh, it, it's no stranger that we have crime in our streets, crime in our schools, our malls, our, our office complex. There are bad news everywhere you turn in our community. There's job insecurity, there's stress, there's tension, there's anxiety, and it's almost as if it's coming out of our pores. You can't turn any direction in our local community, in our world for that fact. And there's not just a slew of bad news. Fear of the future. Fear of the present. Fear of the unknown. What about fear of those that are in authority? Whether it's the national, the state, the local. There are, this is all type of bad news. We're not sure how we're going to handle health care. The immigration issues and all of the things that we're facing, the global and and even domestic terrorism. I couldn't, I couldn't kind of, about not talking about bad news without reminding you about what our brothers and our sisters are facing throughout the world in Christian persecution. I don't know how you can watch another new ISIS clip of Christians being burnt, alive in front of their children, Christians being beheaded. I mean, ISIS and and these these terrorists have become more and more arrogant and bold with their objective. They they don't leave it up to us to guess what they want to do. They are telling us in clear, plain, day language. We're after Christians, and we're after Jews. That's not good news, friend. That's bad news. In fact, you look at true persecution, and and when I say true Christian persecution, we're not talking about the fact you didn't get invited to somebody's group email, or you didn't get invited to somebody's uh, bridal shower, and you're you're mad at God, and you're mad at the church. No, no, we're talking about real Christian persecution. You see ISIS in the Middle East, you see Al Qaeda, you see Boko Karim, you see Al-Shabaab. I mean, there are brothers and sisters like you and I who don't have the fortunes to live in a land where you can freely express worship and praise and dance and song and your convictions and read your Bible in public. The Bible reminds us in 1 Peter 5 and 8: be sober, be vigilant, 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 be vigilant. Because of your adversary, the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour." Well, the Bible says, resist the devil. Be steadfast in faith, knowing that the same sufferings, the same sufferings are being experienced by the brotherhood throughout the world. So the next time we think we're having a a hissy fit moment and we're mad and we've got our lip poked out and we're angry at life, you better remember one thing. You've got brothers and sisters who love Jesus and because of their commitment to the Lord, They're losing their lives, losing their citizenship, and losing their hopes and their dreams. You know, Rick Warren reminds us, and I love this quote. I've read it many, many, many years. Bad news in the world is still good news for the church. Bad news in the world can be good news for the church. You remember the few Sundays right after 9-11? Churches were filled to capacity all over the land. And it seems like when bad things are happening throughout our community, throughout our world, that's when people need the church. May they come to UCC and get Jesus. May they come to this church and receive hope, healing, and help for their needs. They don't need stale religion, and they don't need just tradition that, 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 is, uh, that, that hinders the word of God. But may people come and say, I fell in love with Jesus Christ. They may not know the pastor's name. They they may not remember what song the choir sang two weeks ago. And they may not remember the name of the kids program. But I fell in love with Jesus the Christ in times of hardship and trouble. I tell your neighbor, there's bad news throughout the land. Yeah, not only is there bad news, but here's this new phenomenon. They call it fake news. And I just got to a point the other day, I, I just had to go Wikipedia the thing and find out, what are they talking about when they say fake news? Understand, fake news deliberately publishes hoax, propaganda, disinformation, purporting it to be real news, often using social media to drive web traffic and amplify, I know a little bit about that, and amplify their effect. Now, realize, fake news is really nothing new. Understand this. It's bogus stories can reach more people quickly with social media than what good old-fashioned viral emails could accomplish in years past, uh, we hear President Donald Trump talking a lot about fake news. We hear, what, what happened? What, y'all all right? Everybody okay? Uh, what was the crowd size on the mall during an Iraq uh, uh, during a inauguration day? Uh, uh, what about these facts and what about these findings? Well, you all realize that there's a website called FactCheck.org. Recently, it put out an article: How to Spot Fake News. Now, I'm going to give you these three things. We'll come back to it towards the end of the message, but Factcheck.com reminds us that you can always identify fake news, but you have to consider the source, read beyond the headlines, all right, and check the author. Real three simple things. Uh, Consider the source, read beyond the headlines, and consider the author. How to spot fake news. And why is this important? Why is this important? Listen, we're living in a time somewhere between bad news and fake news. And our country is going to hell in a handbasket. We're not sure what to believe. And if there's ever been a time for you to share the gospel, now is the time. If there's ever been a time and a season and an era for you to stand with courage and to share your faith, now is the time. The world is hungry, and the world is hungry for living bread. And I believe that Jesus gives you an advocate. I believe with all our hearts that we have answers for the bad and the fake news and You know, recently one of the uh, Pew uh, form and religion and public life uh, surveys came out and and, and considered or summarized that 74% believe that there's really a heaven and believe that good people go to heaven. But those same 74% of people believe that only 59% of people believe that there's a hell and that bad people will go to that hell. 70% 70% of all Christians, and we're talking about Christians now, okay? 70% of major Christians say that there are many religions that lead to heaven. That's not the mobile that my father and my mother drove years ago. That's not the gospel that we read. But, and I'm not picking on the millennials. I won't pick on them. But this generation, they are now suggesting that what we have hung our hat on and believe in might be too unilateral. They believe there are many paths to heaven. 40% of born again Christians indicated that they believe Christians and Muslims worship the same God. I-, I notice some of you all are quiet over here on this, on my right side. I see. Bad news. There's fake news. You know, Paul reminds us in 2 Timothy chapter 4 for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. Because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves uh, pastors and teacher search committees. And they'll go out and find those who are willing not to tell the truth. They'll turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. I believe Paul saw something 2,000 years ago, and many of us today are living in that day and time. I want you to take your handouts out if you don't mind. And we've got a little bit more blanks to fill in than normal. I'm kind of working with a couple of experimentation here today, and I want to experiment just a little bit and kind of see how much you can bear. I don't want you to get too into filling in the blanks that you missed the message, but I don't want you to hear this and not be actively involved. Now, uh, today it's a little bit more of a lengthier handout for you. Normally I can do it on a five by seven and get it all done, but I wanted you to have a little bit more theological content and scriptural references as it relates to bad news. fake news and the good news of the gospel the word apostasy is a day is a word that many of us should be familiar with this day and time now we're in church on Sunday you may say pastor Stevens you know a lot of this is not relevant or needed on Sundays at 10 a.m. but it's needed in in your teenagers classrooms it's needed in some of your social media circles because there are a lot of people who don't know what to believe and apostasy simply is the abandoning of faith, to abandon the faith, to stand against, if you'll fill in the blank, to stand against that which once you stood for. So there was a day in time you may have believed that there was only one way to Jesus or one way to God, and that was through the Son, Jesus Christ. Now maybe you believe that there are multiple gods. That's apostasy. Maybe you believed years and years ago that Jesus was sinless. He was tempted at all points but yet knew no sin. Now maybe you believe, well, he had to have been born into sin and maybe he sinned a little bit on the side and nobody knew about it. Apostasy. Not only that, but what about universalism? Because when you look at the scriptures today and you hear all of these statistics about who believes what and how it relates to who, understanding universalism is a heresy. It is a heresy that teaches that everyone, regardless of belief, will be saved by God. Everyone, regardless of belief, will ultimately be saved by God. Now, you may not contextualize it that way. You know, when we do our new members class, we always get to a place in our teaching where, you know, we talk about the old doctrine, once saved, always saved. And I don't want to create an argument in the room for the sake of arguments, but there's a lot of people who were brought up believing that if I got saved as a 10-year-old child and, you know, I made that commitment then, well, it was good enough then, so I'm going to live in that rest of my life. That's a once saved, always saved doctrine. That's really close to the heresy that teaches anyone or everyone will be saved eventually. Well, you may have gotten saved at a vacation Bible school uh, uh, because of a contest or because of, a, of an emotion you felt. But as an adult, what truth, what results, what lifestyle have we lived that is, that is, that is complement of the decision we've made? Because salvation cannot be in a decision in and of itself alone. It has to be life. It has to be movement. It has to be a progression afterwards with biblical life. And so you look back at apostasy and universalism. You know, we've got a lot of bad news. And now, obviously, we find out that there's such things called fake news. But today I'm happy to talk about good news. Good news. I want you to change your language Monday through Fridays and on Saturdays. Sundays, we have no problem talking good news. We have no problem being optimistic. We feel the spirit. We sense the energy. We believe God is here. But you've got to go to work tomorrow morning. And you're going to be around some people who not necessarily understand good news. How can you become that vessel? How can you become that man or that woman that perpetuates and communicates the good news? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The good news of the gospel. The book of 1 Corinthians, and I always like to give a little background to the audience of the original intent of what is written. The book of 1 Corinthians was to correct a group of Christians concerning godly living in a corrupt society. Godly living in a corrupt society. There were divisions, disorder, dysfunctions. All these were dominant characteristics of the young, early church church. The Apostle Paul comes on the scene, and now he wants to remind these at Corinth that there are core truths of the gospel. Not only that, but the gospel is indeed the good news of Jesus Christ. I know this sounds elementary. For some of you all, it sounds so basic. But if we've ever, if there's ever been a time we need good news, now's the time. And not everybody's coming to church on Sundays to hear the good news. Not everybody's finding the Word channel or TBN or the Faith channel or the Holy Ghost channel or whatever gospel channels and stations that are out there. The only good news you're ever going to hear is most likely going to come out of your mouth. We don't live back in the 80s where there were platform Sunday school churches that were building tens of thousands of members at a time. We don't have the luxury of those days anymore. You, you rarely hear about stadiums being filled back in the days of Billy Graham and others in times past. Today, if someone's gonna hear the good news, it'll probably be on your Twitter or Twitter or your, your Facebook or on your Instagram. It will probably be in a small circle during lunch at your job. It will probably be at the gym, probably be anywhere you are and there's an audience. We have to go back up reporting good news. Paul says, here's the good news. In fact, he starts out by saying, I want you to fill in the blanks as we kind of move down the road. Paul starts by saying, here are three contributions of good news. Number one, you've received it, verse one. Brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel you have received. Everyone in this room receives the gospel. Number two, you can stand on this word of God. Brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached, which you not only have received, but now you take a stand. Thirdly, and maybe most importantly, here's what the gospel of good news does. It saves you. It saves you. And this gospel, you are saved only if you firmly hold to the word that I preached unto you. Now, you remember I talked about factcheck.com, right? Remember factcheck.org, whatever the website is? You know, how to spot fake news. You all remember that, right? I, I looked at Paul's writing in First Corinthians 15, and I wondered, could his writing then stand up to factcheck.org today? Now, remember, there were three requirements now. You had to consider the source, you had to read beyond the headlines, and you had to check out the author. Well, Leboski, I'm so glad that when I consider the source, I think about John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made. Come on, tell your neighbor, including you. All things were made through him, and without him, that is the source, nothing could be made. Do you not realize the gospel is good news? We've checked the source. Uh, Not only that, we read factcheck.org beyond the headline. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction of righteousness, that the man, the woman of God, may be complete, thoroughly equipped. For every good work so we read just beyond the headlines of the bible and realize paul said not some not every other not the majority but well, come on help me out say all scripture come on all scripture i know they say the bible's outdated and it's not relevant and i can't find nothing to relate to in my life but they're wrong we're right the bible is not only a true source but we go beyond the headlines and realize that if it is in the bible it is of god and it is profitable the enemy wants to keep you from reading the word of God. He don't mind you reading magazines. He doesn't mind you spending hours and hours reading periodicals online. doesn't mind you reading the newspaper. But when it comes to the word of God, the enemy knows himself that there's life in the word of God. There's healing in the word of God. There's hope in the word of God. Whatever things we have learned, we've learned, we've received for our learning that through scripture, patience we might have hope i encourage every one of you to go back to the word of god i'm i need to pastor this morning but i really want to preach i can preach but i really want to pastor the bible speaks of the famine and not the famine of the word but there was a famine of the hearing of the word and and i'm concerned about our thirst our hunger for the Word of God. I'm a little concerned in February 2017 that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And my prayer is that University City Church will be a praying church. Again, we've gone to hell and back in tough times and hard times. And may, may some of the attributes be the fact that we're a praying church. We don't take anything for granted anymore. Ministry has to be more than lights, bells, and whistles, nice locations and nice steeples. It has to be more than pretty songs and and nice suits and dresses and hats and heels. But may we be a praying church? The opportunity is given and the doors are open. I don't care okay if it's Thursdays, the Tuesdays, the Sundays, the Saturdays. If the saints are coming to pray, may I be part of that prayer? May we be mature in the Word of God? And again, I'm kind of just kind of toggling, I'm, I'm, I'm toggling back and forth right now in my heart because I got a message to preach, but I really want to pastor you just for a few moments. I, I, I think about Joshua 1 and 8. If you all can put it up there, they don't, they don't have it on your notes, but just put it up there. Joshua 1 and 8. I can't help but think about the power of eating God's word. How do we reprioritize Bible study in our lives, not just for a sermon, not for Sunday school, not so we can brag on the job of how many scriptures are memorized and show everybody how deep we are. But what about, who, who are the Jeremiah, who the, was it, Jeremiah, Ezekiel? One of them said, I ate the word. I literally ate the scriptures. And I know that's figuratively speaking, but may we be a church that eats of the word of God. Joshua 1, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate, meditate. I won't have time for this teaching. I'm getting in trouble right now. Oh, but the word meditate to resolve, to resound, to re-eat, to regurgitate, to meditate on a day and night that you may observe all to do according to what is written in it. For then, come on, say for then. Come on, say for then. For then you will make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. We want to bypass the word and have great success in our businesses. We want to bypass the law of the word and have great success in our homes. We want to say, I don't have time for the word. I got to go make this money. I don't have time for the word. I got to go do X, Y, and Z. But then God will not be mocked. His word will not return void. May we, I use the word we, may I be a great example, studying the word of God. For then it will make your journey to success. More easier it will make your path to prosperity a little less rigorous because of the word of god we are feverishly trying our hardest to accommodate the entire church and the community for that fact with opportunities to study the word to go deeper in scripture not only on thursday nights with pastoral teaching you can't make it tonight service Come at noon. We've got noon service, and we've made them identical. We try not to have one more profound than the other. You have options. Tuesday nights beginning in March. We want you to go deeper when it comes to walking through the Bible, having a regiment consistency of Bible study. Maybe you want to go deeper this Sunday mornings of what is being taught. We go deeper in the word. Maybe it's something as it relates to married couples or maybe single parenting. But may we long and thirst and hunger for the word of God. I got to give you another script. I didn't mean to go all here, but remember, Hosea 4 and 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We got shouting and dancing and hollering and feel-good times in church, but my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. In fact, uh, Hosea goes on to say, because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priests over me. Because you have forgotten the word of God, I will also forget your children. Am I doing all right so far? I can't quote that scripture in Hosea 4 and 6 without thinking about Judges 2 and 10. Very, very challenging passage of scripture. When all of the generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work that he had done for Israel. When we cancel the practice and the habit of Bible study, number one in our homes, I want my daughter to see me reading the Bible. I want my sons to know that I'm praying over them and with them and every once in a while come in and see me with the word of God over my lap. And, and again, not that I'm getting ready for a sermon or preaching, but just to eat of the word. I don't want to forsake the practice of Bible study in my local church. And I know you get it on your iPad, and I know you can walk through your apps now, but there's really nothing like being taught the word of God amongst men and women that are gifted to teach and receive so all we can do is provide options and opportunities. But you've got to have a hunger and a thirst. And I had, I had no plans to teach this today. But it pulls from my heart that may we not bring another generation of young men and women who don't know the word of God. May they not look at our bad habits and the things we've forsaken and the things that are no longer a priority for us. May the fathers not eat sour grapes. And their children's teeth are set on edge. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Would you pray with me just for a moment? Just for a moment. Just for a moment. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to hear your word. For faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Father, we're so busy. We're so busy building our kingdoms. Sometimes we forget to build your kingdom. We're so busy building our successes and our ways. We often fail to remember your ways. May we not be that generation that raises up the next who doesn't know you or what you've done for Israel. God, may we have a longing and a thirst and a hunger for the word. May we be convicted by the Holy Ghost. And any amount of time can just easily pass by and we've not found ourselves in scripture, in our homes, on our breaks, with our children, with our Bible studies, our small groups, in church. May we be a people given to you in prayer. May we be a people who forsakes not the word of God. I know you will prosper us. And I know we'll have good success. This may not be for everybody in the room. Maybe there's just a handful of people who say, Pastor, I'll pray a public litany. I'll just make a public confession with you. And I'll ask God's help in the area of his word. If, if you're one or two, maybe three of these people, just repeat these words with me. And this is just, this is not notes. I don't have any plans for all of this. But just let the Holy Spirit touch our church and touch The men and women. And if you're here, just without obligation, someone say, Father God, thank you for your word. May I be found so faithful. A faithful priest. Reading your word. Studying your word. Living your word. May I be a person who not only hears the scriptures, but may I live the scriptures. I make a commitment today to study like never before. To make your word a priority in my home, with my church, in my life. And then I know, God, you will prosper me and you will give me good success. According to Joshua 1 and 8. And the church said, amen. And amen. Let's go back to the scriptures, amen, just for a few moments. I want you to fill in the blanks. We have a couple of blanks that I want you to fill in just for the next few moments. So we consider the source, we read beyond the headlines, and we check the author. And we know that the author is Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. If you go to your handout, Paul gives us four Fundamental points are four fundamental facts of the gospel. Now, you do realize that the word gospel means good news, is that right? So, when we read the gospel, we're reading good news. When we preach the gospel, we're preaching the good news. When we live the gospel, we're living the good news of Christ. Number one, Jesus lived. Jesus lived. Paul wants the church to know you are a young church, you are a budding church, you're a growing church. But make no mistake about it here's how you're saved here's how you'll stand and here's what you've received now you're not going to have success you won't prosper you won't even christian or grow in discipleship without these four fundamental facts of the gospel number one jesus lived fill in the blank john 1:14. the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only come on say the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace, hallelujah, hallelujah, and full of truth. Well, that answers the question that there are multiple ways to to God. And I know some of you all may not like the way I preach here today, but uh, I hold no, I make no bones about it. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Jesus the Christ, let me say it online just in case somebody wants to play with the uh, uh, social media here. Jesus Christ, give me a good close-up, is the only way to God. He is the only way to heaven he's the truth he's the light yes he is oh yes he is Mm -hmm. see see jesus said out of his own mouth i am the way the truth and the light come on now no man can come to the father except through me so john says in the beginning hallelujah yes lord He made his dwelling. The word dwelling comes the word tabernacle. He made, he tabernacled among us. He made his abode among us. For we have seen his glory, the glory of the capital O, one and only, who came from the Father. And guess what? Unlike the Old Testament prophets, he's full of truth and he's full of grace. Number two, Jesus died for our sins. He died. He wasn't in a comatose state for three days. He wasn't just kinda in in a very deep sleep for a few days, but it is recorded as it was prophesied of him. He died, fill in the blank, for our sins, Romans 5 and 8. But God demonstrates, he demonstrates. I'm so glad he went beyond just talking, but he demonstrates his own love toward us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? Yes. Uh, uh, Paul goes on in the same 1 Corinthians chapter 15 because there's some wranglers in the church. There are some people in the church talking back and arguing and trying to give all these different new age philosophies. But Paul reminds them in verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? If there is no resurrection from the dead, then not Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. He lived, he died. Number three, he was buried. Verse four, he was buried. In fact, the Bible said, therefore, we are buried with him, Romans 6 and 4, through the baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so also we should walk in the newness of life. Come on, say this with me. Christ lived, Christ died, Christ was buried. And fourth and finally, he rose on the third day. Again, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 15. Paul continues his argument in verse 15. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he listen but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised for if the dead are not raised then christ has not been raised and if christ has not been raised our faith is empty and we are still in our sins what are you saying right now you cannot take one fact and make it a gospel you cannot take two facts and make it a gospel you can't even take three facts and make it a gospel you have to have All four foundational, fundamental facts, and call it the gospel. He lived, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. Now that's interesting to me, because every one of those facts have been argued for the last 2,000 years. Some people today don't even believe he existed at all. And if he did exist, he was just a teacher, or a humanitarian, or a prophet. But they've yet to call him the Christos, the Christ, the Messiah. Some say, okay, he lived, but maybe he didn't die. Maybe he fell asleep. But that won't be the case because the Old Testament then becomes void. But he lived and he died. Hallelujah. But something had to happen when he was buried. And for three days while he was buried, he made a visit to hell. And he says, oh, hell, now I've got the keys to death and hell. So everybody who didn't get a chance to get saved before I came, he had a massive altar call in hell and they got a chance to get saved, why? Because every knee will bow, uh-huh, every tongue will confess. He didn't forget about those in the Old Testament or those who came before him. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess to the glory of God that Christ is savior. So he didn't just live and die and was buried, but look at your neighbor said early Sunday morning. He rose from the dead. And there are those who say, yeah, I believe he lived in died. He might have been buried. But he certainly didn't get up from the dead. Is it Elijah? Is it Jeremiah? Maybe he's one of the prophets. But what makes Jesus different from any of the great prophets of old is he rose from the dead. Paul says if you don't believe it, then that means he's still in his grave. I'm in my grave. You're in your grave. And our sins have not been forgiven. These, my dear friends, are the four foundational fundamental facts you can take that to factcheck.com and check the author uh uh-huh check the origin uh uh-huh and read between the lines you say pastor stevens what must i do today number one understand this right now if you don't know jesus christ and the pardon of your sins i'm not here to condemn you for he doesn't condemn you we're not here to make you feel bad horrible ugly and guilty for he doesn't come make you bad horrible ugly and guilty But you have to be dissatisfied with your current state of living. And you know what? There's a good chance in this room you might be making some good money. You could have a couple of nice degrees hanging on your wall that reminds you every time you walk in the office what you've accomplished. You may have a pretty good model Ebony Magazine family. And you know what? It could be a chance. But do you not know the Bible says he reigns on the just and the unjust? Do you not realize that there is a way that seems right to man but the end thereof is judgment. You have to be dissatisfied with your current state. You know, we had a conversation recently and we realized in this part of the city, in this part of the county, not everybody's poor, not everybody's busted, broken, disgusted. There's some people who are living it up and life is swell, but there is a void in your heart. There's something in your life that money can't fill, men can't fill, women can't fill, jobs can't fill, business can't fill. Augustine said it best, there is a God-shaped void in every man's life and only god can fill that void if you fill in the blank on your outline you must become dissatisfied with your current state bible says all have sinned not y'all but all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life. Uh, if the Lord was to mark iniquities, Psalm 130 and 3, who in this room could stand? Oh, you see my sins, but your sins, their sins, our sins. If the Lord of heaven would to he cast a glorious magnifying glass on all of us, who could stand? Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. Fill in the blank here. If we say we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, it's not easy to confess your sins, my friends. Whether it's to your spouse, to your children, to your closest loved ones, or to the Lord. But the Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us from all Unrighteousness. Number two, you've got to have a desire to do better. 1988, I went to North Carolina A&T State University. And I went as a young man and tried to play a little football Winston in the state and tried to go ahead and A&T and walk on the team. and. I just felt like I was a cast me out. I'm, I'm on top of the world and, you know, all is well and this, that, and the other. And hallelujah. I'm, I didn't say hallelujah because I wouldn't say at that time. But, you know, hey, I'm, I'm, I mean, come on, you've been 18. You're, you're invincible. You're, you're, no, no one can touch you with a 10-foot pole. But, oh, how I remember on a Friday night, the gospel was preached to me in a dormitory room. And my heart was convicted. My mind was convinced. And my soul was converted. Two hours later, I'm sitting at Burger King witnessing other folk telling them about Jesus. Now, I ain't say but two hot hours. But now I'm telling other people, he can save your soul and turn your life around. Why? Because there has to be a desire to do better. What is your life, James 4 and 14 says, it is even a vapor that appears for a little time and tomorrow it vanishes away. I think the King James says, our lives are yet but a vapor of smoke. You're here today, my friends, and tomorrow you're gone. And what will you exchange? In fact, the next scripture I really love quoting from time to time. What will it profit a man to gain this world and lose your soul? Talk to me, please. Just talk to me. What would it profit you and I? And we should want success. We do have success. And I, I, I encourage everyone, you go to the highest level of your job, your career, your school, your occupation, your recreation. Whatever you're involved in, you should strive for the highest level. But once you get to the top. What can you exchange for your soul? What check can you write? What degree can you exchange? What gift can you borrow for that which Jesus' blood was shed for in our lives? The Bible says, if you fill in the blank here, for the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but he is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any would perish, but all should come to Repentance. That's a word that we don't use in the church often. I think pastors are scared to use that word and we certainly are scared to do it. We're scared to teach others how to do it because it's not a popular word. It's not a word that's going to go viral. It's not a word that's going to make you popular in social media. But the word repentance means to go back to the penthouse. Get out of the dwellers. Get out of the cellar. Get out of the bottom and go back to the pent. Go back to the penthouse to repent. Have a change of mind. Sometimes when we think about the word repentance, we think about that Sunday experience where we come to the altar and we cry and it's not coming out of our nose and we're shaking and and we having this Physical, spiritual moment, and and we turn around, and someone lays his hand, and we go right back to that chair, and and we go back to life like it was nothing. That's not repentance. That's a good show, but that's not repentance. The word repentance means to return, to change the way you think. Think about his gospel differently think about your life differently think about your decisions differently repentance isn't oops I got caught I'm sorry forgive me but in my mind I ain't been changed in my flesh it ain't been changed repentance is I now change the way I think the way I act the way I conduct myself I now think and change the way I will live forward that my dear friends It's true repentance. And you may not be able to measure that with good talk and good action. You'll only be able to see the fruit and the results as life goes on. So the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Hallelujah. He wants everybody to repent. Have a change of the way you think. Have a change of heart. Have a change of action. Number three, you must make a decision. And I close. You must make a decision. I wish I could tell you today all you gotta do is fill out a little card and man, tomorrow's gonna be perfect and the rest of your life you ain't gonna have no more problems because you saved now and when he saves your soul, oh, he just puts you on the exempt clause list and you're never gonna have no problems. That I, I, I'd sell you a, 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 a bill of no good. That, that's just not true. I wish I could say, oh, just believe in your heart, and just be good, and try to not make no mistakes, and you go go on to heaven, things will be fine, I I, I, I would not be telling you the truth. A decision has to be made. One of the things, and by the way, maybe, maybe some of y'all don't know this, but while I'm preaching right now, there's a crew of prayer warriors in the back of this church crying out and praying and pleading with God, not for me, but for you. They're praying. They're praying that the blinders that the enemy brings to blind you from the gospel, be destroyed. You're sitting in a chair comfortably right now, but somebody is back there praying, and they're praying that your heart, that there'd be a removal of foreskin, and everything that keeps your heart hard against the word you're hearing right now, they're praying that you have the courage and the conviction to say yes to Jesus, and that your heart is receptive, because the greatest decision you'll ever make has nothing to do with money, it has nothing to do with the woman you marry or the man you marry. The greatest decision you'll make is a decision to serve Jesus Christ and the pardon of your sins. You have to make the decision. The Bible says, I've called heaven and earth and witness against you today, and I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursing. Therefore, choose, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. See, understand this. When a man gets saved, when a mother gets saved, you just greatly increase the chances of your child seeing your conversion. I was telling the story last week of when my daddy got saved. i never forget the day he came home. My mother and I, my sister, we were in a Catholic church. We were visiting churches all throughout Houston, Texas. Every weekend, seeing seemed like whoever was giving this away, doing that, we would going go there. But i never forget the day he came home, I got saved. He got saved pumping gas at a school bus lot. And that day, and that day forward, I think it was 1977 to be exact, he never, ever turned back. He became a junior deacon in the Baptist church. I can remember hearing him praying and praying and praying out loud on his knees. And as a young man, you can imagine how impressed I was to see that. Then he became a deacon of the church. And then we got saved and committed to the church. And this were seeds being sown even then. I saw the Holy Spirit at work. I saw men, particularly men of color, at work in the church. There were things that were happening in my young life. Hallelujah. that God would bring about in years to come. So you make the choice. And sometimes that choice is not just about your commitment to the Lord. Dr. Jawazek and Jufu wrote a book why black men don't go to church. And he gave 21 reasons why men didn't go to church or why they didn't like church. And one of the, oh, one of the, I mean, there were multiple reasons, of course. But in that book, he gave some very startling statistics about what happens when a child gets saved. How many of the family members follow that child? When when mom gets saved? And how many family members follow that, that, that mom? But when a father gets saved, The chances are quadruple, some 80 some odd percent of families, wives and children will follow dad as the patriarch of that family to church. So choose that not only you, but your descendants may live. The decision you make today is simple and it's two things and I'm finished. Number one, believe in your heart. If you fill in the blank, believe in your heart, the gospel. Pastor, you you did a pretty decent job today giving me the word, but all that don't mean a hill of beans if you don't believe it. It really does. I can preach and holler until I turn plaid. But if you don't believe it in your heart, I believe it in your head. It means you nothing. The Bible says, for I delivered you, first of all, which was also received that first Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures and that he was buried and arose again on the third day, according to the scriptures. I have to believe that I wasn't there to say it. I just have to believe that he lived, he died, he was buried, he rose again. I have to believe that. Number two, I confess with my mouth, Romans ten nine and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Therefore, whoever confesses me, Matthew 10, 32, confesses me before men, him I will confess before my Father in heaven. I don't read the scripture often, but years ago I used to read the scripture all the time. But whoever denies me before men, Whoever said, ah, that was nice and cute. No, I'm good. I don't don't need all that. Well, there is a chance. You have just positioned yourself to be be denied by Jesus when you enter heaven or when you stand before uh, the judgment seat of Christ. When you deny him on the earth, he says, I'll deny you on that great judgment day. Choice is yours. I can't force, we can't force you to believe and to confess. You have to make that decision. You have to make that choice. Finally, you confess with your mouth. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, last blank to fill him, he is a new creation. I'd love to tell you that if anyone who's in the church, if anyone who be in Memphis, Tennessee, if anyone who's in this denomination, if anyone who becomes an elder, a pastor, a deacon, a mother, a usher, a greeter, a praise team member, but that ain't what the Bible says. If anyone be, come on, in Christ, he is a new what? Notice the Bible didn't say you a new man. Didn't say you a new woman, cause you can't afford to be the old you. You got to become a new creation. Uh huh. Old things, uh, old things like like stealing. Old things like lying. Y'all not saying that to the pastor. Old things like backbiting, like gossiping, fornication, adultery, homosexuality, whatever it may be. Old things are. Aren't you grateful that? y'all made me feel like i'm a guest preacher today All things have passed away behold take a good look all things hallelujah all things have become brand new only the blood of jesus christ can wash away all of my sins nothing can make us whole again but the blood but the Bible says that we are redeemed not by corruptible things, silver, gold, and paychecks, but we are redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Somewhere 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross, uh, there was blood that ran from the cross from the head to all the way down to the feet, and there was a sinner. By the name of Michael Anthony Stevens Sr., there was another sinner by the name of Sharon Le- Daphne Lindsay, and the blood was good enough for him, the blood was good enough for her. Now, you had to fill in the blame because somewhere at that cross was your name, your father, your mother, your son, your daughter, and your sibling. But oh, precious is that flow. Come on, somebody that makes us white as snow. There is no other fount that I know. Nothing but the blood. Somebody thank God for the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't be saved with muhammad you can't be saved with jehovah witnesses you cannot be saved with any other false god but there is one god one salvation and one baptism there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved somebody stand on their feet and say jesus son of the living god jesus who heals our bodies. Uh, Jesus, uh, my hope for tomorrow. Somebody cried, Jesus, uh, Savior of the world. Uh, I can see John the Baptist uh, coming on the scene and saying, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord. Uh, hallelujah. Here comes Jesus, uh, the bright morning star. Thank God for Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Uh, somebody cried, Jesus. You have to, you have to become dissatisfied where you're currently at. There's got to be a desire to want to do better, and you'll have to make this decision to serve the Lord. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We're standing to our feet. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and we're standing to our feet. Come on, some. I don't care what they say, I'm glad to be saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. You can call it old fashioned, you can say it's outdated, you can say it's irrelevant, but I'm so glad that God saved me from my sins. I'm so glad that he gave me a brand new beginning. I'm so glad. Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 that if our hope in Christ is in this world only, we are men most miserable. But thanks be unto God that our hope is beyond this world's success. And our faith is in him for the life that is to come. I want to pray with every man and woman in this room. The decision has to be made. And only you can make that decision. Saints.